Steve Dale back with you on WGN. It's not Joseph Lindsley that Bob Surratt talks to all the time. And boy, are those conversations uh, ever so compelling. But we are talking now with Joey Morelli. Now, Joseph is a reporter who covers international affairs. Uh, Joey isn't quite that. He's the owner of Max's Deli in Highland Park. Right now, we are talking to you, Joey, from Ukraine. Where are you in Ukraine? Hey, Steve. Great to talk to you. I'm in a town called Stree, and it's an hour off the border of Poland, so it's very safe. And I'm cooking for 200 refugees and families of soldiers and some of the soldiers on leave. I want to talk to you about how it came to be that you are there in the first place. I mean, gee whiz, you make matzo ball soup. So how did you get from there in Highland Park to Ukraine? Well, you know, uh, like you said, I cook matzo ball soup, a Jewish deli in Highland Park. I cook for a very beautiful, wealthy community. And it occurred to me that I could raise a lot of money with the people I know and my own money and my family that donates as well and travel the world and cook for kids in orphanages and cook for, you know, people in need. I got my inspiration from Chef Jose Andres' World Central Kitchen. And it's a simple dream I've always had. I have no, I have no kids. I'm 50 years old. Um, I want to travel the country, the world. I scuba dive, and I cook for people in need. It's a simple, beautiful dream. Well, it is a beautiful thing, and I heard you talking to Lisa Dent about this well before you made the trip. So it's one thing to jump into the ocean, I suppose, and swim with sharks. It's another to jump off an airplane, not that you parachuted off. You probably just walked off the airplane, but to do so, to do so, what was, tell me what that was, how that, did you fly into Poland? Did you fly directly into Ukraine? How did you decide to be where you are right now? How did you know this is the city that there's a need in? Well, I, first of all, I flew through Poland through Warsaw, and then to, and then I took a bus to the border town of like Morshin, and it was surreal, and it was like being in the Twilight Zone episode. Walking across the border from Poland to Ukraine was. Are you there? Yeah. Yes, I'm listening. Uh, walking across the border from Poland to Ukraine was surreal. And, and and eerie, and I have some beautiful videos I'll be posting, even though you're not supposed to take videos when you're crossing the border. I've definitely found in my media career it's better to ask forgiveness than permission. So I went ahead and did it. The videos are beautiful and loving and harmless. Now, your other question was, uh, how did, why did I come here, or what was what was the other question? That's okay. So you crossed over the border. How did you know this was the town uh, that needs okay. your help? And tell me what you're doing there. You touched on it earlier, but in more in more detail on a day to day basis to help all of these people that you say are refugees. Well, I have a friend in Chicago. Her name is Olia. And she is from Ukraine. So that's how the conversation started. Now, Joey's food fight has already been to Asia twice, cooking and rebuilding orphanages, kitchens, and cooking for kids in orphanages. So Joey's food fight's been around for about a year. And me and Olya were talking, and her dad has a friend 
to one. A lot of the Ukrainian banks um, support missions to Ukraine. So world, it's called Alliance Bank. And Olya's father connected me to a gentleman who connected him, who found a gentleman in Ukraine in the town of Stree. This is a town where a lot of people hide. A lot of the families get away from the war because it's a closer border. It's closer border to Poland, which is somewhat protected by the UN. So a lot of people are in this town as refugees, a little safer, a little away from um, from the main part of the war. And so my day-to-day operations are: I wake up every morning at seven, and there's a giant outdoor open market. I do all my shopping. I, I, the, the, everybody there knows me. They all call me the American, and everybody knows what I'm doing. They all give me great prices. I shop. I, I find out what they want to eat, and then I've got about a 300-square-foot kitchen that a company in the middle of town donated. Wow. Hmm. All right, and then you cook, you cook for them every day. Do you know Ukraine yeah. recipes? What What are the things that you typically cook for these folks? Well, I've found through my travels that people love American food. So my first meal here was spaghetti and meatballs and a giant <laughs> salad. And then, and then, and then I talked to you know I have twenty volunteers, twenty women who are refugees with their families. No work out here right now. I mean. Uh, there's just nothing to do. And a lot of the work that the soldiers are at war, they can't work. And the women have to take care of their kids. So there's this conundrum. Now, I talk to the women. I ask them what they want. They love beets. Of course, they love borscht. They love potatoes. They love chicken and pork. But the kids love what kids love. I made them chicken fingers and hot dogs last week, and they went bananas for it mashed potatoes and gravy. Um, I made them a a beef stew. Um, Tomorrow I'm picking up 12 kilos of salmon, and I'm going to roast some potatoes and make some mushroom barley soup. They love their grains here. Hmm. Well, I want to know what life is like day-to-day for you and for the average Ukrainian, where you're staying, but also where all these refugees are staying. What is the weather like, Joey Morelli, in Ukraine at this moment? Um, It's about uh, 30 degrees Celsius. I think that's about 80 degrees Fahrenheit or so. Maybe it's Fahrenheit and Celsius. I forget. It's hot. It's humid. It's sweaty. Uh, Not too much. Not too different than Chicago. You are in Ukraine, you being the guy who runs Max's Deli, a staple in Highland Park, for many, many years. Uh, And I want to know what life is like for you in Ukraine. Where are you staying? Do you hear the air raid sirens go off? Even though you're near Poland and you said relatively safe, you said relatively safe. So I'm curious as to what you mean by that. Um, Well, um it's all relative to the fact that there are bombs and I'm, I'm, my mom's listening right now. So I'm going to, I'm going to cautiously tell you that, <laughs> you know, and the bombs don't come this far, but an hour away in Lviv, the bombs have hit. They hit last week and the sirens go off and they tell you to get to the basement and it's surreal. It's, you know, if, if I close my eyes, I'm in, I'm in Europe. I can, I get that, 
that what it must have felt like in, in World War II when you're in a safe town, but you're not safe. You know it, you feel it, and you smell it. And you see the fear in the people's eyes, and you see lots of soldiers walking around here without limbs. You cannot, not, you can't not see it. When I was in Lviv, you see it, wheelchairs, limbs missing, soldiers all over the place, and a look of despair, for sure. Hmm. So what do the people, uh, and I know you've not talked to everyone in Ukraine, obviously, but you must get a sense. Are, are the people there, uh, the goal, I believe, of Russia is to keep doing what they do until the people finally say, you know, we've had enough. Uh, are they near that point of desperation, do you think? Hell no. Um, they are... Uh, I would call like the, like a mama bear that protects its children. There's that instinct. They, this is the most beautiful place. Lviv is the most beautiful city I've ever seen. How so? How, and I've been all over the world. All right. How they is it? How is resolute. it the most? How is it the most beautiful city, Joey? Well, it's all cobblestone, and the buildings are old but rehabbed. A lot of places in the world have old buildings that are not rehab, like Kiev, which is further away, maybe a thousand kilometers. It's not as rehab. Lviv is treated like they take great care of it, yet it's as old as can be, and you feel like you're in, I can only, you know, like being in Italy in those tiny little beautiful little cobblestone towns, it is so gorgeous. This is a great place for me to retire. Really? Uh, would, yeah. would you... I'm, I'm blown away by the people. The women are. I know you. I know that this is not shocking. The women are so beautiful; it's breathtaking. Hmm. And so are the men, by the way. Well, in a way that you can talk about that. Yes, uh, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, you said earlier that you could smell the fear and smell what's. Ha- do you literally smell what's happening? What, what do you mean by that? Um, I feel well. I. I I get the when I'm around all the folks with all the fear, I smell it. Now, when the when the when the um, bomb al- uh, alarms go off, and they go off not only when you're in danger, but the alarms there are different types of alarms. Some alarms let you know that there's other places being bombed right now. So, you know, feel love and and if you're a God person, pray to God. The bombs ring mm. for different reasons. But so when I was in Kiev, when I was in Lviv, I almost smelled like bomb. It wasn't bombs because no bombs came when I was there. But there's this odor of maybe there's protection going on or there's countermeasures going on, uh, uh, you know, anti-missile bombs, whatever it is. There's this smell. And I, I, I don't know what it is, but I feel it in my senses. And it's, it's beyond surreal. It makes my elbows tingle. Hmm. What what do they think of the Americans? Uh, do they think we need to do more? Do they think we're doing okay? They they love. I mean, they just give me so much love. But the common theme here is uh, is is uh, close the airspace. You know, all the children that died last week in Lviv, four, five, six, whatever. If the airspace was closed, that would not have happened. That's the thing I hear all the time. They say, please, tell your politicians, close the airspace. I I get why we're not, but I, I don't accept it. It's not the right decision. I'm not playing politics. It's just not the right decision. People are dying because of this fear of Russia, and it's, it's just awful. 
And the, the, the thing about the people who live there, or at least uh, a good percent of the population, of the people who live there are of Russian descent by second or third or fourth generation, if not directly. Uh, do, do you feel that people are torn, or are they just absolutely so, I, I don't even know what the right word is. I was going to say upset, but that's not a strong enough word for how they feel absolutely. potentially. Yeah, you tell me. They're absolutes in their dedication. They are committed. No, uh, Zulinski stresses this, and everybody I talk to stresses this. Most of it's it's more like first, second generation. No more speaking Russian. Everybody, you know, Russian and Ukraine are very similar but different. So the, they're trying to speak no more Russian. Even the older generations that are Russian or uh, direct Russian descent are absolute in their conviction that this is ridiculous is not a strong enough word. It's, it's pure ego. There's nothing to accomplish, and everybody knows that, and their conviction to not give up is, is just as strong as can be, and it's, it's why I'm coming back after I get through the Jewish holidays. Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Max, as I'm coming back into town, I'm going to work my restaurant, and I'm going to come back. I hope my mom doesn't kill me. <laughs> well, uh, those folks that are of first or second and even third generation uh, have relatives in Russia, uh, presumably yes. may be communicating with those relatives. Are they, the Russians, though, are hearing other things from their own government, right? So are the Russians, at least some Russian people, if you know, you may not know the answer to this, at least some of the Russian Average person on the street, uh, are they aware that of the propaganda uh, that this is real, this is uncalled for, and people in Ukraine, a lot of people, including many innocent people, are dying? Um, they know. Like, I know that in Russia, it's just propaganda TV 101, and it's, no, it's, 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 it's fake as fake news can get. But they know. There's ways to get around the propaganda. There's the Internet, and young kids are way smarter than us. And um, they know. The biggest problem that I see, and I'm, this is not me talking about what I've seen. This is what, I've, this is what I hear from a lot of folks, is they know, but you got to understand, there's 40% of, uh, maybe 60% of Russian population that is totally okay with this war. And... They think it's the right thing to do. There's people that think it, it, there's anti-Semitism here, which there's not. That's fake news. Um, so, you know, there's, there's 10 Putins behind Putin, if, even if you got rid of Putin. So the, Russia's got a lot of people that are just fine with this. And the educated people, the ones that want to take a second to look, they have ways of getting the real news. Their kids know how to, how to get it, whether or not Russia is trying not to give it to them. Lots of folks are asking who my guest is, so I want to repeat this. Joey Morelli of Max's Deli in Highland Park. People think I'm talking to a foreign correspondent or perhaps someone uh, in the U.S. intelligence. You're not that, but you're there feeding people, and you've been there for how long, Joey? I've been here for a month. You've got to understand, I n there's, not, there's not a person I don't think that's doing what I'm doing right now. I think I know more, I've learned more than anybody else about the beautiful country this is and what's going on. Yeah. So I, I might as well be a foreign consultant because I listen. 
Well put. Uh, tell me about, I want to listen and hear about your charity. Tell me about it. Joey's Food Fight, founded around July of not of last year, um, and I go all over the world. My mission is 10 countries in the next 10 years. I'm going to rebuild kitchens and orphanages. I'm going to cook for kids all over the world, and I'm going to scuba dive, and I'm going to give love. I'm going to do the next right thing, and I'm going to have a blast doing it. And then I'm going to pick my favorite country, which feels like Lviv in Ukraine, and I'm going to retire. <laughs> you sound like a reality show, a one-man reality show doing good things, which is great. Yeah, I the think... show would be called Joey's Food Fight. And I think the website is joeysfoodfight.com. If people gave dollars, are you a 5013C? Does the money go? Can they be assured that the money will go to help feed people in need? 100% 501c3, all by the books. I like to say it's direct. You donate, and you can watch directly where your money goes. I, I, you know, no offense to Red Cross, but they should be called red tape with the amount of money that they spend on their people, on their ads, on, their, on, on what they do. How much actually goes to the people? I give every penny to the food in my travels. That's it. As a matter of fact, I traveled out here on points through Max's Deli. So it's direct results. You watch the videos, you donate, and you see. And there is no red tape. I'm the red tape. All right, Joey. When you come back, and maybe you can join us in studio. Uh, it would be a dream. I, I love speaking with you. You're a pure gentleman. Well, <laughs> kind of you to say, but, man, you are doing, you, sir, are doing God's work. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. And I hope to talk to you soon, and maybe we could split a pastrami sandwich or something. And matzo ball soup. And matzo ball soup. I don't know how you split matzo ball soup, but we'll, we'll give it a go, Joey. Thank you very much. We'll figure it out. Okay. Okay, take care. Thank you.